This is the Wickham Festival podcast, the second edition to feature highlights from the 2015 festival. In this episode, we will hear from Ban Jovi, Tankus the Henge, Steve Harley, 10CC, Tom Robinson, and festival organiser Peter Chegwin. But to start us off, here is 10CC's Graham Goldman. Graham Goldman, 10CC, welcome back to Wickham. Thank you very much. Very nice to be back. Do you remember your last uh, visit here? I certainly do. It was great. It was a great set. Yeah. Blew the audience away. Yeah, I, think, so. I believe so. Uh, yeah, so uh, nice to be asked back and looking forward to it. And top of the bill now? <laughs> top of the bill, Mar. <laughs> yeah. And obviously a great responsibility, bringing the whole weekend to a close. Yeah, and we've had a really busy weekend ourselves because um, we've been, we just, we were in uh, Denmark on Friday, we were in Norway last night and had a long journey back here today but it's nice to be back on British soil. <laughs> back in plenty of time because yeah. uh, Tankers the Henge who were on earlier came from Switzerland and arrived with 20 minutes to spare. Uh, right, yes, <laughs> well you know that's rock and roll isn't it? Absolutely. So what can we expect tonight? Uh, well you're going to get all the hits and more. Um, I can't remember what set length we did last time but certainly all the hits that you would expect plus some album tracks that we like and uh and a surprise near the end. Okay, well, we'll look out for that then. Yeah. So, and and from your own point of view, still enjoying it as much as ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I really wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. Love doing it. But it's it's great. We, you know, got no plans to stop. So I just carry on until um, I don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't like to think about it. <laughs> well, it's been a fabulous weekend here. The weather's been wonderful. Yeah, I know. So it's, I know. Uh, it's been great. That's that's wonderful. And it's been a wonderful festival, so thank you very much. So, here with Jazz DeLorean from Tankers the Henge. Welcome back. Thank you very much. It's really good to be back. Last year, fantastic reception. It went down so well. Everybody's saying, well, why weren't they on the main stage? And now you are. Yeah, it's really lovely to return and play, uh, play another, another show full of love. We, we really enjoyed last year as well. And a good reaction again this year? Oh, yeah, it was, it was massive fun, yeah. Gather you got here just in the nick of time, coming from Switzerland. Yeah, we played in Bern at uh, 11pm last night and drove through the night and arrived 20 minutes before the start. <laughs> wow, <laughs> literally 20 minutes beforehand. Yeah, I, I honestly approached the Swiss border at 60 miles an hour and the band had to tell me to slow down. <laughs> so kind of, like, kind of like the sound of music fleeing through the mountains there. No one even tried to stop us. We just kept going. <laughs> so what time did you cross the... Ch- did you come through the, uh, the tunnel or...? Um, we were we meant to be on an eight, 8.20 train, but we missed it by two hours and got the 10.20. We were on a stage at half past two. So how does that affect you when you're, you're racing against time like that? It's more fun. <laughs> is it? So, were, you, were you ever worried that you might not make it in time? No. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly? Yeah, I was never worried. Uh, we, we've just done an incredibly intense uh, amount of gigs in Switzerland. So I'm losing my voice a bit. I was more worried about my voice than getting there. Because I knew we'd get there. Uh, honey and rum and... Uh, I think I used something else as well to make my voice come back for the gig, but we did it. 
Well, it was well worth the effort. So what do you do now? Are you, uh, have you got time to chill, or are you doing another frantic journey overnight? I'm going to eat some chilli chips on sauce, and then go home and uh, remind my girlfriend that she's dating somebody, because she hasn't seen me for ages. And how do you feel about the status of the band at the moment, your progress? Obviously, from last year, second stage to main stage here, but generally you're starting to make a bit of a name for yourselves. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, we do it because it's what we do. And if people want to come along on the, on the mad ride, then we'll have them. <laughs> we'll do it anyway. Just very briefly, how would you describe your music? I was listening to it. I'm trying to think. You, you can't really pigeonhole it, can you? No. Any one genre? Well, I mean, it's the large umbrella of a, a rock and roll show, but with psychedelic influences... It's groove and chemistry. Well, it was full of passion and power, especially considering you'd only arrived 20 minutes beforehand. That's the only way to do everything. Turn up late and put all your energy into it. <laughs> and final question, the name, Tankus the Hangel, where does that come from? Oh, we don't answer that question. Thanks for asking it, though. Welcome to Wickham. Thank you. Did you enjoy that set? Yeah, it was great. The crowd were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they were brilliant, really. And without a crowd, you know, we feed off the crowd. So that was, for us, that was just a joy. It was brilliant. Really good. Yeah. Really good reception, wasn't it? Good, yeah, as good as last year? I'd say it was better than last year, probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, well, it's a pleasure to come and play here, really. It's, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your style. It's, uh, <laughs> a little, shall we say unique? I suppose we, our main influence was uh, uh, Hazy Dixie. We were big fans of theirs, and um, we wanted to sort of do something like that, but a little bit different. And having having a drummer as the main vocalist as well makes it a little bit different. A Hazy Dixie don't have drums for a start, so so in that respect, we're different. Um, but I guess it's sort of bluegrass rock, but more rock than bluegrass. With a, with a few, uh, with a few unusual <laughs> covers thrown in, we we like to uh, yeah we like to try and surprise people with the covers that we do yeah, yeah. So ne- never really thought that Queen songs would uh, feature a banjo well Queen mashed up with Erasure and Johnny Cash <laughs> yeah in yeah, the well, same song yeah so uh, well we have a laugh tr- coming up with them as well so yeah it's part part of the fun is is just trying to come up with something that. That, that people will latch on to as well. And we like we like to do songs that are well, red, relatively well known, and uh, it's it's lovely to see when people actually, you know, they're trying to work out what the song is. <laughs> <laughs> then once they get it, we you know we've got them. It's great. And you started with uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. That was your first, wasn't it? The that was the first 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 one we recorded, recorded. Yeah, and that was the first video that that we shot. Um, I should probably probably mention that um, Thomas, the drummer, is my son, and Francis, the guitarist, is also my son. So it's father, father and two sons in the band as well. Right. Um, and we got and, our friend, and, and French. Up a then we picked uh, up uh, a French, ba- French oh, bass believe. player at Calais. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We brought him over in the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah. So do you have to give him back now? When, when the no, I think the immigration were after him actually, so he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. How do you decide which songs you're going to, to cover? You... Well, we, we, we listen to songs. We hear a song on the radio and we'll think, um, that will work. And we'll try it in rehearsal. And surprisingly enough, 
a lot of them don't work um, and we've 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 tried a lot of songs that we thought would be brilliant and they haven't worked for for one reason or another um, sometimes they may be songs that sound too country in the first place so yeah. we're not really adding anything or taking anything away it's providing a twist isn't it that's um, right yeah, yeah. Completely, yeah, yeah definitely completely different version yeah so you know, Wanted Dead or Alive that was the first one that I saw on YouTube and I, I loved it yeah so, always goes down well yeah um, and yeah Bon Jovi a popular band <laughs> fits the name of your band yeah well that's where the, I mean because it was the first song that's why we chose chose the name which if any of uh, John Bon Jovi's listeners are listening um, it means banjo and life in French so it's nothing what's any 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 uh, similarities are purely coincidental even though you just shot through the heart as well. Yeah, yeah, we like to, um, you know, they're a great band and their, their songs are brilliant songs. And they, those songs really do work well. They do, yeah. And uh, we're going to see you back again, do you think, one day? Hopefully, yeah. If, if they'll have us back, we'd love to come back. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'd love to see you. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm here with Steve Harley from uh, Steve Harley Cockney Rebel. An old favourite back here at Wigan who's come back to see us and make us smile. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. corny line to open. Yeah, pretty corny. How many times I've, I've never heard that. that. No, yeah. never. Yeah. It's a lovely setting and a nice day, isn't it? So it is. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So how much do you enjoy playing here? I love festivals generally. Yeah, I love it. I mean they're difficult. They can be difficult because it's not it's not you don't get the chance to the sound check, you know, it's it's difficult. Fifteen and thirty-minute changeovers. I mean, I'm not up there, but I walk on, and I need it to be pretty damn accurate and brilliant. And it needs to be right from from the word go. Doesn't it? Yeah. Really, you're playing an hour set. You know, you don't want to be fighting with the monitor man for twenty minutes. It's, it can be. Yeah, you have to put up with that, which is less than perfect. And what about the set list? Uh, do you change that according to whether you're playing a festival or a solo yeah. there in your own right? Well, yeah, the festivals are much shorter. I mean, we play uh, much longer on our own. Um, I've got the good fortune of having had a big hit with Here Comes the Sun. So I, I will, uh, most festivals I'll open with that. And we don't play that on tour. We don't do it. But I do it at festivals because if it's pouring with rain... It comes across with a great sense of irony. <laughs> and if it's sunny, it's, there's a hint of truth about it, which is quite a bit of fun. And it's a wonderful song of George Harrison's. And my version is going to get them, it gets an audience with me right from the start. And I do tend to put my hit singles in, quite a lot of hit singles in the set. I don't know why. It's because I think that's. When you play a festival, I, I've played uh, to 50,000 people. 50 times maybe more in my career not headlining but to that many people Glass have played Glastonbury three times Isle of Wight twice I mean I go all over Europe playing very very big festivals some years um, and you, if you ever headline one they have to, the biggest names in the world who headline Glastonbury on a, and the Isle of Wight for instance they have to know that not everyone in that field is a fan you know, they've paid to come for a weekend of the festival. And it could be David Bowie or The Who. Well, not everyone in that field actually cares about that act very much. Yeah. You can always go off and go somewhere else, but 
when the biggest acts in the world have made this mistake, and I'm not going to name names, but they do exist, where they go out and play the new album, and you know, a field full of people are thinking, hang on, I haven't paid 300 quid to hear songs I've never heard before. I've come to hear Space Oddity. What was he doing that for? Or I've come to hear Substitute. Why the Who playing the new album? It's, I'm sort of, I'm, that, that was just examples. Yeah. I'm not accusing them of that at all, but people don't want that. They want familiarity, I would have thought. Yeah. I used to yeah. go to them. I'm a punter. I used to go to festivals. I was at the 69 Isle of Wight and the 70 Isle of Wight. I was at both of them. And uh, big ones up in the north. I was, I, was at, I was at the Bath Festival at Shepton Mallet when Zeppelin headlined in 70. 70, 71. But I, my, fan, my friends and I from South London went all over the place with a, with a, with a, with a, a bedroll and a, and a, you know. In those days, we used to sleep in the field. <clears throat> you didn't have a separate field for, for sleeping in, right. tents. You put the tent up in the, and watch the Woodstock, you know. Still enjoy it as much as ever. Yeah, we're, we're touring big tour of the concert halls in November with the original members of the Second Cockney Rebel. Um, it's the 40th anniversary of the Best Years of Our Lives album, so it's the 40th anniversary of Make Me Smile, uh, and it's just great. I, I, I have this knack. I only work with nice people. All my career, I've worked with good, decent people. Anyone with a bad temper, anyone who can't be civil in the mornings, anyone who can't carries baggage everywhere, we drop them. We drop them. Anyone who's nasty to promoters, or venue staff, they're dropped. I won't have them near me. I have good people. And I've got this knack of finding good people as musicians too. I don't know what it is. I don't really audition. I, I, I take them for, they have to buy me a beer basically, <laughs> but a glass of wine. And then when I got in touch with Jim Cregan, Stuart Elliott, Duncan Mackay, and Duncan's been 25 years in South Africa in a studio. He hasn't played a live gig for 25 years. And he's a monstrously successful music, well, brilliant musician. He's a virtuoso pianist. That was a good band, that Connie Rebel, the second one. And um, the three of them just jumped at it. You know, my office offered them a deal for four weeks of rehearsal and touring. And they jumped at it. And they're really excited about it. I see Jim, I see Stuart, and Duncan's always on Skype and stuff. It's in November, it's a long way away, but... Yeah. You know, like the good old days. Yeah, it, it won't be like that, actually. <laughs> forgive me for saying, because I go to sleep now. Yeah, I mean, in those days, the four of us were up all night drinking cognac. I'm a singer, what was I doing drinking cognac? I, no, now I just say to them, it won't be like that. I, we travel civilised, we sleep, and I, I sleep because I've got to do it again tomorrow. And that show's going to be two and a half hours of singing. Right. Yeah. You've got, this, is, but, my, this yeah. is my instrument. The throat is my instrument. And it's a tough instrument to tune and look after. I know you've also got a little date with uh, Rod Stewart and, and Kenny Jones. 
Yeah, we we've got to. The um, Kenny Kenny has it's public, well publicised that he has uh, prostate cancer. He's over it pretty well. God bless him. One of, one of God's nicest people. As is my friend Jim Cregan from Cotney Rebel, who left me in '76 to join Rod Stewart. Played with Rod for 30 years. Still, they're still playing. He's still with him on occasion and record rights with him. And uh, yeah, we play these concerts at Kenny's Polo Ground festivals um, to raise funds for the research. And we're doing another one on September the 5th. And it is it is in the public domain that Rod's doing it with. Woody and Kenny, so you've got basically what's alive of, of the faces reuniting after 40 years. It's it's an amazing thing for Rod to do because there'll be seven or eight thousand out there because they can't get any more in, I don't think. But Rod's a, Rod's one of the world's greatest as well as most popular superstars, and for Rod to take the time and say, "I'll come and sing for nothing, 40 minutes, whatever they're going to do, I don't know," for for charity. You know, it's such a, a nice thing to do. You know, he's, he's a hot, that's a hot ticket. Rod's a superstar. I'm just doing four songs with Jim and Barry, my fiddle player in the house band. But God, yeah, giving back's good. Giving back's good. I'm here with uh, Tom Robinson. Wow, what a set. Thank you very much. Wow, what an audience is, uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a, a, a good band. A uh, bunch of musicians I could turn to, but with an audience like that, it's really hard to go wrong, you know. So how does it feel to have a guitar in your hand again after 20 years? Uh, it's not just any guitar. It's my uh, old 1962 Fender Precision bass. Uh, and I haven't played bass for... 40 years or something so um, well not quite that long but it's quite different playing bass and and, uh, going out and strumming an acoustic guitar and playing you know you're much more dug in at the kind of rock and roll foundations of the whole thing so it's it's very nice and uh, crank it up and thrash it and And it's lovely to be playing with Steve Laurie again you know who's uh, the drummer I worked with through the 80s, so, uh, you know, we've got a good, good relationship. So, why now? Why have you uh, suddenly uh, found this creative spurt again now, and you've got a new album, and you're back on the road? Um, I turned 65 this year. And look it. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and my youngest child turned 18, and so suddenly you know it was like the end of one chapter and also freedom to just you know to get out there and do whatever I want to do now rather than being thinking of putting other people first so uh, a combination of that with meeting producer Jerry Diver last year at the English Folk Expo uh, is is what did it um, I had all these songs on a back burner, but I didn't really know how to make the kind of sounds that I enjoy listening to these days. My tastes have changed enormously in the last 20 years, um, musically, and I'm not that keen on kind of rehashing the sounds of the last century. And uh, Jerry Diver's got this, like, fantastically fresh ear and approach. And uh, the way he plays violin, it's, you know, as, as you saw, more like a chainsaw than a, <laughs> than a regular Irish fiddle. And... Uh, 
his production is uh, astonishing. So um, it's given a freshness to all the material and uh, an excitement about the whole thing. Well, the, the new songs that you played tonight got a really good reception. You must be pleased with that. Uh, absolutely, and that's the acid test, really, is whether, whether you can still write songs that people like and respond to um, all these years later. You know, that's, that's always the, the acid test for any artist. And so um, it's a bit of a risk doing kind of 60% old, 40% new uh, at a festival set because somebody... Um, Somebody was reviewing Shaking Stevens at Glastonbury on the main stage in the middle of the afternoon and, and said, you know, the words that nobody in that crowd wanted to hear was, I'd like to play a few songs from my new album. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I Luckily, I had few enough hits that I can play all of the well-known songs and still have room to get in a few of the new ones as well. Yeah, well as you said on stage, the, the world's not been waiting for a, a, a new Tom Robinson album, but I think they like what they heard. I think, I think so. The response was so encouraging, and what a lovely, lovely event it was. Uh, you know, Peter Chegwin's just done good stuff for so long. Uh, going back, I'd go back with him to like the early 90s, um, and he's always been a, a promoter that put music first and, and business and um, money grubbing second. Tell us about the, the new album, how it's going. It's crowdfunded and going well. Yep, we've managed to get the whole thing recorded. Um, the consumers did all kinds of stuff. They, they paid to come down to the studio and listen to the rough mixes and sing on one of the songs. And we spent an afternoon with them, gave them a glass of wine, and, you know, it was really nice to have that kind of contact with your audience, which you wouldn't have in a normal record company-funded situation. Um, another one, we did a, a songwriting um, workshop for a day, in Cecil Sharp House, just got a, a dozen songwriters together and did some immersion songwriting together. Uh, we did a private gig in somebody's house last week. So it, it's all just things that if people just want to buy the album, that's great, you know, and they, they can buy the same price as iTunes, but buy it in advance, which helps us get the thing finished and out there. But if they want to um, have their name on the album sleeve, it costs a bit more. It gives them a chance to kind of help out. So, uh, yeah, we've been blessed. What a wonderful reaction to sing If You're Glad To Be Gay. Yeah, it, it was... I was actually genuinely very moved at the end of that because the audience just didn't stop applauding. They, um, it was like a kind of vote of confidence or something, and it wasn't a song that was terrifically popular as a subject to write about back in back in the 76 when I wrote it um, and it actually uh, it looked like career suicide um, because the BBC stopped playing my records after that came out for six years and um, it wasn't a track to instant popularity but it was a stand worth taking I think and uh, I still stand by every word so it was nice all these years later to um, to have that vindication that uh, an audience of people, many of whom you know didn't know me or hadn't heard me before, who just went, yeah, we like that. That's uh, a brave stance. Not because they were necessarily um, you know gay themselves, but just they liked the the fact that somebody was standing up for themselves. Um, I liked David Bowie. 
um, when I was in my early 20s and I'd been kind of very hung up about being gay and he gave me the courage to come out and I just said if I had a chance to do that for anyone else I'll, I'll try and pass it on so um, it's nice to know that that worked. Wickham 2015, Peter Chegwin, how was it for you? Um, we've had a blast. It's been easily our most successful yet. We've broken all our attendance box office records. Um, just a wonderful weekend, blessed with lovely weather, great live musical weekend, fantastic audience feedback, and we've even drunk the bar dry as well. It's, it's just been an absolutely fantastic, wonderful Wickham Festival. And once again, absolutely no hint of trouble and a great atmosphere. No trouble at all. Everyone's commented on just how laid-back everyone is and how friendly the festival is, and um, I think that's what's made it so special. It's been a, just a wonderful weekend with so many people enjoying themselves in glorious sunshine, so many good bands. The, the artists have loved it with the audience feedback as well, and um, no, everything's clicked. We're very lucky with the weather, um, but it's just, just been wonderful. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I think in every way it's the best festival we've done yet. And you can see why so many artists love coming back again. All the artists are saying they want to come back next year. We can't fit them all in again. Um, but, yeah, they, they've absolutely loved it as well, saying it's so chilled. Um, the audiences are really responsive. Um, the big tops that we have here at Wickham uh, means it brings the audience in and it feels like a, a very intimate party-type atmosphere. Um, no, just wonderful, wonderful weekend in every way. And it's sold well as well. Yeah, we've broken all our box office records. A huge turnout on the gate in the, in the sunshine. Um, attendance is 25 to 26,000 admissions over the weekend. People are here from all around the world, not just around the UK. And the, the village of Wickham um, seems very happy with it as well. So long way we continue. Roll on 2016. You're already selling well for next year, I believe. We've already sold more early bird tickets um, for next year than, than we did um, previously ever. So that's a good sign because people wouldn't be buying for next year if they hadn't enjoyed this year so this year has been great um, hopefully next year will be even better we do hope you have enjoyed listening to these two special editions of the Wickham Festival podcast the dates for the 2016 festival are the 4th to the 7th of August with the lineup currently including the Stranglers Tony Hadley the Trevor Horn Band Oyster Band and Chaz and Dave also appearing will be SAS Band, who will be featuring Roger Taylor from Queen, Toya and Marillion's Fish. Tickets are available from wickhamfestival.co.uk and do remember to check us out on Facebook and we're also on Twitter at Festival Wickham. <laughs>